Welcome to the Doing Well by Doing Good podcast, where we highlight the startups aiming to be profitable with a purpose. These high-growth startups provide products and services that directly contribute to society from day one and attribute nearly 100% of their revenue to doing good rather than just a fraction. I'm your host, Anand, and today we're talking to Imran Kronk, the co-founder and CEO of New York-based health tech company Ride Health. All right. Well, welcome, Imran. Thanks for making the time. Yeah, absolutely. Good to be with you, Anand. So, you know, why don't we just jump right in? How would you describe Ride Health in one line? So Ride Health uh, drives access to care uh, for vulnerable populations uh, who face transportation barriers uh, due to affordability, age-related or mobility-related reasons. And, And we believe in a world where no one has to forego care just because they can't get there. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. You know, honestly, uh, that's one of the reasons we're really excited to have you um, because Ride Health certainly is doing well by doing good. Um, and so really excited to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Why don't we, why don't we jump into, uh, you know, kind of the background? So how did you get here? What was your founding journey? So about seven years ago, uh, I was a volunteer in a hospital uh, down in North Carolina, uh, where I'm from originally. And uh, I was doing kind of the midnight or, or 9 p.m. to midnight shift uh, in the ER. Mm-hmm. And uh, this patient was discharged and came out into the waiting area. Mm-hmm. And uh, he came up to me because I was the first person he saw. And he said that he didn't have a way of getting home. Uh, he had been taken there in an ambulance maybe eight hours earlier. But now he was being discharged at like 11.58 and he didn't know how he was going to get home. And so I suggested that he go over to the nurse's station to see if they could help him out with a cab voucher or a bus pass. And um, he went over there and talked to them and they told him that they didn't have anything for him, that he'd have to figure something out, something else out. And so uh, he was kind of wandering around, uh, you know, a little aimlessly. And I went up and asked, you know, what do you plan to do? And he said that he might try to walk home. Uh, And I asked him where he lived. And he described this part of town that was about eight or nine miles away from the facility. Uh, And this guy was like 60, 65 years old. He was kind of off balance and staggering a bit. And he told me that he had been given some medication during his stay that had compromised his vision. So he couldn't see all that well. So no part of this sounded like a good idea for this guy to just go off into the night. And so the only thing I could think to do in the moment standing there was to offer him a ride home. Uh, because my shift was ending at midnight. And so that's, that's what happened. He, he took me up on it and, and we went out to my car and, and drove him home and dropped him off and everything went fine. Uh, but it was a little weird driving a total stranger home in the middle of the night, as you might imagine. Yeah. And it kind of got the gears turning in my mind about why that had been the outcome of that situation. And so I became curious about the role that something as simple and, and taken for granted as mobility uh, actually plays in impacting people's ability to to access resources or, or just to get home safely. Uh, and so that curiosity led me to uh, study the issue a bit further. And a couple of years later, in 2015, um, on kind of a fluke, uh, ended up getting a, an article published in The Atlantic mm-hmm. about the uh, transportation barrier uh, to, to healthcare. Mm-hmm. And um, You know, it was still kind of an academic interest, but about a year later, I was uh, in a business plan competition as I was wrapping up school, uh, Mm -hmm. undergrad, and um, that opportunity uh, or that 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 process gave me the opportunity to flesh out 
you know, more of the, 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 the product vision, the value prop, the, the, the key uh, details. And uh, we lost the business plan competition. Uh, mm-hmm. So that was a bit of a bummer. Uh, but I, I felt like there was something there. And mm-hmm. when you identify a problem like that and, and you see a, a, a reasonable path toward solving it, uh, it's kind of hard to forget that. And so mm-hmm. about a year after that, so we're getting to 2017 now, mm-hmm. uh, I was finally uh, able to jump full time uh, and, and start the company. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's what I've been doing ever since. Wow. That is a very intriguing founding story. And it makes a lot of sense. I'm curious, actually, how did, uh, how did that uh, end up? So that uh, patient, did that, that patient ever have to come back to the ER? Or did that person, did you ever meet that patient again? It's a good question. I, I actually had no idea what happened. Um, never got any contact information for the patient. Uh, mm-hmm. It was literally just as simple as he was there. I was going home. He needed to get home. I dropped mm-hmm. them off. <laughs> um, so I hope he's doing, doing all right, wherever he is. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's amazing. Uh, well, hopefully now Ride Health can help with, uh, with that situation. Well, it's funny. Uh, uh, about a year ago, we started working with the hospital mm-hmm. that I was actually uh, a volunteer in. And wow. uh, we set up a, a, a program that started with a scope around hospital discharge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, now it's expanded to all the other parts of the hospital and, and the health system. But uh, it was a definitely a full circle moment. Wow. That is very cool. It's a great story. So what, uh, you know, one question around that story, you know, what challenges did you face along the way, you know, ever since 2015, 2017, uh, what challenges have you faced and what resources have you, have you been able to use to overcome some of those challenges? Yeah, absolutely. Great question. Um, the challenges are kind of, you know, endless when you're, when you're going through uh, the experience of, of starting a company and, and uh, you know, validating, well, identifying and validating your, your assumptions, trying to figure out the right way to grow. Mm-hmm. There can be a temptation to subsidize that growth, but uh, mm-hmm. we've, we've really strived for organic growth. Um, and really the, the help has, has come from countless advisors and, and mentors along the way. To get more specific, um, one of the key challenges we faced early on was uh, skepticism of using new forms of mobility. So think back to 2016, 2017, right. uh, on-demand you know, TNCs, you know, Uber and Lyft were, were mm-hmm. proliferating. Those are just kind of the, the big names, but they're, they're kind of symbolic of a, a broader shift toward more technology-enabled mm-hmm. and, and digitally connected forms of mobility. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was almost uh, allergic to, or hospitals were almost allergic to that notion uh, because of the perceived risk. And so we had to really overcome a lot of that and build a lot of trust uh, hard to imagine now, but but you know, three or four years ago, that was certainly the case. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another challenge that we that we faced was um, you know, balancing the and every company faces this balancing your early pilots and 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 deployments mm-hmm. with uh, the need to constantly be uh, uh, fundraising and and getting resources you know for uh, your organization to grow. It's it's an incredibly challenging balance at a very vulnerable point for a company if you're not kind of at a standing start, if you're, if you're kind of, um, uh, you know, I, I often equate it to kind of rubbing sticks together to make a fire um, <laughs> at, that, at that early stage. And, um, you know, so, so that was another key challenge. And, um, then there's, 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 you know, personnel related um, uh, challenges that any company has, you know, mm-hmm. 
when you have um, sometimes multiple co-founders, there can be different levels of involvement among those co-founders. Mm -hmm. You need to kind of hash those out and, and make sure that you're always acting in the best interest of the company long-term. Right. Mm -hmm. When you're, when you're uh, growing rapidly, sort of your, your employee and, and team base, uh, there's an importance of, of building and maintaining trust among those different teams as a company grows and you start to have uh, you know, certain parts of the organization that are focused on sales and, and client services and other parts of the organization that are focused more on product or engineering or uh, other, other functions. There's just natural tensions and, and, and trade-offs that arise and, and how do you uh, uh, build that trust among those teams Mm -hmm. uh, and, and how do you do all of this when you're doing it for the first time? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so as a first time founder, you haven't made a lot of these mistakes before. Mm -hmm. And so you have to continually be self-aware and thoughtful enough to learn from those, uh, and accept those mistakes and, and those failures and, mm -hmm. and move forward. So I'd say in terms of the resources that have helped, uh, navigate those challenges, uh, early on, we joined uh, startup health. So back mm -hmm. in 2017, Mm -hmm. uh, almost before I was even full time on Ride Health, mm -hmm. uh, we got into Startup Health, and that was really useful. Mm -hmm. um, they've they've been great from the standpoint of helping us uh, work through a framework for building the company. Mm -hmm. uh, connected us to an amazing community of, of fellow entrepreneurs or health transformers, as they call them, uh -huh. um, and that's been been super valuable. Uh, some podcasts uh, are always good for inspiration. Uh, there's you know mm -hmm. the ones everyone listens to. How I built this. Uh, masters of scale um, and and some more niche ones on you know on the healthcare or mobility sides. Yep. Uh, you know, there's there's some great books. Uh, hard thing about hard things. It was funny. I got that as a one. gift from some of my colleagues maybe six months ago. Yeah. Because uh, and they said you know you're reading this at the wrong time. You should have read this yeah. you know, three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the note I... on the inside <laughs> says. Uh, you're the only person who would read this after doing the hard thing. And by no means have we done it, but it was, it was still a funny note. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it is, it is, that is a really great book. Um, frankly, I wish I had read it earlier as well. That, that one's really, here. <laughs> uh, I really like your analogy of sticks rubbing together. I mean, that's a great analogy for, for starting, starting a company. I'm sure it's uh, you know, you take whatever resources you have and you try to make something good out of it. So makes yeah, sense. Yeah, Absolutely. Cool. So, um, you know, I wanted to transition to, you, you talked about personnel, right? That was a, uh, I thought that was really interesting and, and probably one of the most important things as you grow the company. So what is your company mission and how do you create a culture that embodies that? Absolutely. So we ensure that every patient everywhere can access uh, the care and resources that they need to ensure good health. Mm -hmm. uh, and I guess I could take a step back and share with folks what Ride Health actually does for a second uh, in support of that mission. Mm -hmm. um, in, in essence, we, we build technology that enables uh, hospitals and health insurance plans uh, to manage uh, transportation programs for their patients and members. And mm -hmm. So it's a web-based platform that care coordinators and social workers use uh, to coordinate rides for patients who are low income, or elderly or have physical mobility limitations. And we connect to a national network of transportation providers across mm -hmm. all levels of service from uh, public transit to ride hailing, to taxis, uh, to non-emergency medical transportation for patients who need mm -hmm. extra assistance, you know, door to door, door through door, wheelchair accessible, uh, up to stretcher vans and, and ambulance. Um, and so that's, that's really what we, what we do. And, and as I said, our mission is to ensure every patient everywhere can access the care and resources that they need. 
so that makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, the patients are really the focus, it sounds like, right, in, in right health, uh, making sure that they can get to where they need to go. So then, you know, the question I have is, as you hire people, right, so whether it's for engineering, whether it's for product, how do you maintain that culture? Do you, you know, do you have certain questions that you ask people? Do you make sure that people come from a certain background that helps them understand the problem? You know, what, what do you do to ensure that the culture continues as you grow the company? Yeah, so it starts with our core values. And there's five of those that mm-hmm. I'll talk about. One is people first, mm-hmm. uh, intellectual humility, mm-hmm. embrace complexity, mm-hmm. own your outcomes, and long-term mindset. So those five, uh, you can kind of fit them on an index card and and they're kind of meant to be memorable, uh, at least internally. And that feeds into the Ride Health Way, which is something that we wrote perhaps a year, year and a half ago. Mm -hmm. And the Ride Health Way is a set of operating principles that expand on those core values and are intended to drive day-to-day decision-making. And so for example, you know, I talked about people first as a core value. The Ride Health Way expansion on that is that we put people first by believing in their dignity and worth and good intentions. Mm-hmm. So that principle kind of translates both uh, externally because you know we're working with with highly vulnerable, highly complex mm-hmm. uh, patients and, and, and health plan members uh, mm-hmm. and coordinators, mm-hmm. and these can be very stressful situations. These can be people who are in you know, you know, really tough social circumstances. They're going through uh, their medical, you know, their care journey, and they're not always sort of bringing their best selves mm-hmm. <laughs> to those situations. And and whether it's you know we're working with folks um, uh, with if it's our contact center kind of kind of interfacing with with patients or, or drivers mm-hmm. uh, or, or coordinators or some of our uh, you know team members on the client success side, they always keep in mind the the dignity and worth of of people, and those are. Uh, kind of social work values. We've had a team member who very early on has been a part of the company and, and she came from a background of 10 years in, in social work mm-hmm. and, and really has upheld that value internally. The the good intentions part, I think, is is really important when you're thinking about putting people first internally uh, yeah. within your team. And, you know, even though people disagree on different ways to do things, I think you have to assume good intent. And, and that's an important principle for us. So another example of this is I talked about intellectual humility mm-hmm. and the ride health way expansion on that is that we are intellectually humble in that we ask questions and admit mistakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is something that applies to a lot of startups where mm-hmm. uh, you're constantly learning new things. You're, you're having your assumptions challenged or, or proven wrong. Right. Uh, and it's really important to always ask those questions and, and to admit when you've made mistakes or, or have been off mark. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are a couple of examples of, of how, we, we create a culture that, that embodies and, and, and helps deliver on that mission. That's awesome. So those are sort of five pillars that are, that are easily memorizable um, for every employee. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, I think it's, you know, conflict is, is natural and, and things change really fast in a startup. So you got you to gotta have some set of core values so that you know how to resolve them and, and get through the, the challenges. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That's a that's a actually a very good way to to maintain culture. So um, uh, it's actually quite uh, quite admirable. Um, well, there's a whole lot of other things that go into it, but th- that's sort of the I think what it has to start with. And you have to trust that people will, you know, that that, that will resonate with people. And that and at the end of the day, the culture is upheld by all of us collectively within the company. 
not by some master plan. Of course. Yeah, it's a, it's a team effort. Well, I thought, you know, we could transition over to uh, doing well by doing good. So, you know, doing well, uh, you know, obviously the first thing that's important uh, to build a sustainable business is to have a business plan, um, a way to, to make money both in the short term and long term. Could you talk a little bit about uh, sort of the plan and the business plan of Ride Health and how you, how you guys make money? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I think one of the most important things that any company can have early on, mm-hmm. uh, especially throughout their life cycle, is an understanding of uh, unit economics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what we think about is a couple things. Uh, principally is net revenue per ride. So we are paid a, uh, in addition to the cost of the ride, which mm-hmm. is like a pass-through, mm-hmm. there's a, uh, an admin fee, and that covers our costs of providing uh, real-time ride operations support, mm-hmm. uh, as well as maintaining the platform and all of the transaction, uh, transactions that are happening there, and uh, building and managing a network of transportation providers. Mm-hmm. And so when we think about our, our unit economics, it's that net revenue per ride, Mm-hmm. Uh, and subtracted from that is our human-driven and our technology-driven costs uh, on a per-ride basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that gets us to a gross contribution margin you know, per mm-hmm. ride. Uh, mm-hmm. And that then translates with a couple other inputs into our overall gross margin and then net margin. Uh, and so we've, you know, from a very early point, kind of understood that. Uh, it wasn't as though we were searching for a business model. Right. We Back to what I mentioned earlier, we never believed in subsidizing growth. We always wanted to, to have mm-hmm. growth that was, was real, like real mm-hmm. customers uh, you know, uh, investing in transportation and mm-hmm. being willing to pay our uh, fee on top of that because they believed in the value add of, mm-hmm. of the service. Mm-hmm. And so we have had from day one you know, positive uh, contribution margins on a per-ride basis, and those have been getting mm-hmm. better and better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now we're at the point where, based on our plans across you know, people and technology, uh, that we have for the rest of this year and next year, uh, that it will be possible to achieve uh, SaaS-like margins mm-hmm. uh, within the context of a tech-enabled service coordination business, which will be pretty exciting um, to, to realize in, in the coming months uh, and mm-hmm. years. So I think that's really important for people to have thoughts around, especially in the current environment. Uh-huh. Uh, what happened with uh, the pandemic has been you know, tightening valuations. It's been uh, upping the ante. Right. For, for diligence mm-hmm. and companies that don't have clarity around this will mm-hmm. find it much more difficult, uh, I think, to, to advance. Right. That makes a lot of sense. So in this case, you guys are working on um, creating those, those sort of large margins, the SaaS margins, um, in, order to, in order to kind of create a sustainable business on a unit basis. Uh, and then, Absolutely. of course, if it works on a unit basis, then it'll work at a, uh, in an aggregate basis as well. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. You know, one one question I have, especially you know, if you're you know you're doing what Right Health is doing, obviously very mission driven. Um, is there any any cases where you've seen uh, sort of your business model be in uh, you know sort of go against maybe what your mission and culture is, or maybe any times where you had to make a choice um, and you had to figure out how to resolve a conflict between the two? Yeah. Uh, that's a great question. So we, about a year and a half ago, maybe started to realize that our pricing model was was off. Um, 
we had been uh, charging on a kind of a, a software license basis, uh, kind of a per per user type model. Mm-hmm. And um, what we learned was that uh, the number of, of users was not necessarily coordinated correlated with the number of rides being coordinated. Uh, and that there would be some power users and that there would be some disengaged users, Mm -hmm. um, which is obvious in retrospect. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we thought it would kind of all balance out and turned Mm -hmm. out it it wasn't, you know, if you looked at every, across every account. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we we had to make a decision about whether to go with more of a utilization-based model, which Mm -hmm. was a little bit of a odd thing when you think about how healthcare is moving toward uh, more, more sort of payment for, for value rather than for volume mm-hmm. to have a, a utilization based model, mm-hmm. uh, philosophically, even if it's not, even if it makes more sense and, and customers want to pay for it that way, it still felt a little bit odd. So we've been in that utilization based model for, you know, a year, year and a half now. And, um, what's interesting is that the business is now starting to shift more back into the realm of a fixed fee, but, um, mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 in the context of uh, better predictability around uh, you know, volume at a program level. So all of that is kind of minutia that's not super relevant to your question. But I guess it was important at all right. stages of that decision process that mm-hmm. we uh, made sure that, or or we were interrogating and 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 asking ourselves whether our pricing model was fitting not only with what we valued but also mm-hmm. with what our our customers valued and that it would work for our, our business model itself because uh, mm-hmm. there were times when those things were not in balance and so i think more broadly to the the point of how do you balance you know uh, shareholder value with with mission and culture it's mm-hmm. it's really about joining the two together and right. not treating them like two separate spheres or or conversations mm-hmm. uh, i think it, you know what we try to do is to is communicate to the team what our board cares about and we try to communicate to our board what our team cares about and what our customers care about. Yep. Uh, and I think in that context, people can make decisions about whether the environment aligns with, with their values. Uh, and, and most healthcare-oriented investors are fairly mission-driven and long-term-minded to some degree anyway. And they mm-hmm. understand the long sales cycles. They understand the opportunity to invest in making an impact and building valuable relationships. So it hasn't been, I'd say, a huge challenge, um, but that's one of the things that we've we've thought about over the past, you know, year, year and a half, especially. Totally, no, that makes a lot of sense, and it's it's great that you have sort of a two way communication channel as well, right, between the team and the and the board. Um, so that's great. So I wanted to move on to doing good. You know, let's say in ten years when Ride Health is a huge success, uh, what global challenge uh, will Ride Health have helped solve? Yeah, so globally, you know, health and mobility are each uh, multi-trillion dollar sectors. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we see is that they are rarely connected uh, in a thoughtful way. Uh, there's kind of healthcare world and, and, and there's mobility or transportation world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so transportation barriers and, and constraints to, to health and, and other resources for that matter mm-hmm. are a global challenge. And so I think our general end game is to, to define that intersection and, mm-hmm. and to solve for the problem of, of access you know, to resources, uh, connecting people with places uh, in a manner that is impactful to their health and well-being. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, and that that is a serious problem. So it's uh, it's great that you guys are solving it. And you know how? I, and this is this is always a question that I have uh, because of what we're talking about doing well by doing good. You know, why build a for-profit business rather than a non-profit? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think, and we and we you know consider this very early on. Um, mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, it was it was the access to diverse uh, funding streams, yep. uh, and you know, being more than just grants. So you can get mm-hmm. uh, angel investment, venture capital, uh, mm-hmm. debt financing, and then in addition to that, I think the for profit model forces you to think earlier about self sustainability mm-hmm. uh, instead of uh, kind of this reliance on a grant cycle that can mm-hmm. be that can kind of drain energy and, and resources from, from the mission. Right. Um, and so for us, it was a pretty easy decision, but it was one that we examined just given the inherently social nature of, of what we're doing. Right. Uh, so great question. In terms of, you know, and, and I'm curious if this also was one, you know, of course there's funding strategies, you know, where can you get the money from? What about growth? So do you think that, you know, with the for-profit model and with, you know, the VC model, um, you know, you, for you know you're able to grow faster um for whatever reason right because you get more funding because you're able to focus on the business model do you feel like that's also one aspect of it i think we absolutely have been able to grow more quickly uh with that funding you often hear the phrase that uh, vcs sell rocket fuel <laughs> it's not for everyone or for every organization right um but if you're looking to make this type of impact on a broad scale uh, it's it's definitely worthy of consideration. Mm-hmm. And so I guess in this case, the rocket fuel makes a lot of sense um, and it does help. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, this has been uh, obviously very interesting and, and thanks again for taking the time. Uh, you know, for, for the audience, one thing that I wanted to ask, you know, before we go is what advice would you give for somebody who either, you know, maybe a founder who wants to start a company uh, that's doing well by doing good or professionals that just want to work for a company like that? Um, you know, what advice would you give? Just one piece of advice. Yeah. Uh, well, so I, I have a couple, well, I guess it's around financing and it's a couple pieces of advice, uh, depending the on more, the stage. The more, the better, by the way. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, so I think angel investors, which were very important for us early on and, and continue to be important thought partners and, and members of our community, um, angel investors, at least those who orient toward healthcare in, in my experience, uh, are generally looking to put their money into companies, uh, that have a social mission and impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a really important motivator for why, uh, they're doing that in the first place and, and how they choose the companies that they want to spend time with. Yeah. Uh, so in those early conversations, you know, don't underestimate the importance of focusing on that aspect uh, with, with angels. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you get to a, a later stage um, and you're, you're dealing with more institutional investors or mm-hmm. groups, uh, they're much more answerable to their LPs. Uh, and you'll need to bring much more to the table in terms of a long-term sustainable business model. And, and that's where having that focus on unit economics early on and having an airtight understanding of them uh, mm-hmm. will be very, very helpful. So I, I just wanted to kind of share that, that reflection looking back on our financing journey, like what mattered most at each, at each stage, yep. uh, at least for us. That's super valuable. 
And it makes sense. I mean, naturally, any company that that goes through the um, founding process has to go through those stages. You know, one and what I guess one question I would have is, you know, for professionals that want to work at a company like Ride Health, what advice would you give? Yeah, I would say that it's important to be realistic with yourself about uh, the type of environment that you will thrive in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's one thing to think about working at a company that is you know, doing well by doing good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a concept I think everybody can get excited about and get behind. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's important to be realistic about the stresses, challenges, and trade-offs that come with joining a very early stage, high risk, um, you know, uh, enterprise. Of course. And, um, and people need to sort of be very self-aware about whether that's, you know, the environment in which they will succeed. And I think many of them can, uh, but it's just important to, mm-hmm. to, to ask yourself those questions and, and talk to people to really understand what it's going to be like, especially if you're transitioning from a more corporate environment or, or just haven't been in, in a startup environment before. Absolutely. No, that's great advice. And, you know, I, I think with that, thank you so much for, for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. These are great questions. Great conversation. Looking forward to continuing. And thank you for joining us. You can find more information about Ride Health and the work Imran and his team are doing in the show notes. Is there a company doing well by doing good you think we should talk to? If so, email us at hello at doingwellbydoinggood.co or tweet us at dwdgsf. And for the latest updates, subscribe to our newsletter at dwdg.substack.com. Catch you next time.